And then Westermeyer adds, good luck, man. <laughs> <laughs> he adds a tagline, nice a catchphrase. Yes. See you at the party, Richter. <laughs> Go ahead. Make my day. Hasta la vista, baby. Good luck, man. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. Taking you into your Friday, 8.13 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Greg Pancake Hill produces the program. Eric Bilstead and Vince Petrano here with you until 9 o'clock. Want to tease ahead, we, we had Gabe Neitzel in studio from ESPN Milwaukee. He told a hysterical hunting story. Phenomenal hunting story. A lot of folks, if you're on your way up to Deer Camp right now, would love to hear from you. Just check in. Old National Bank talk and text line is 855-616-1620. Old National Bank, get old. 855-616-1620. Tell me where you're headed. Who's with you in the car or the truck or whatever you got heading up north? Tell me a funny story. I I would love a funny hunting story. I don't know if we can match. We, we, the bar is high right now. It's a high bar. Yeah. So we're going to do that in a little bit. Cool. Uh, but I uh, want to get serious in a moment because, Eric, you had a really extraordinary opportunity to talk to one of the most, if not the most famous journalist of contemporary times, So, a guy who's still out there doing stuff. 50 years ago today, 50 years ago today, this happened. I'm not a crook. Richard Nixon getting frustrated saying, look, look. I'm not a crook, getting annoyed and irked. People have a right to know whether their president's a crook. Yes, there's well, a lot of people frustrated uh, over what, what Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein were reporting about the Watergate scandal. That was 50 years ago today. Nixon would resign less than a year later. Woodward was in Waukesha yesterday. I got What's to, he doing here? He uh, spoke to a large group at UWM Waukesha campus. Oh, cool. It was great. And uh, beforehand, um, I was lucky enough to be uh, a small group of us were able to chat with him just about anything, about about being a journalist and what it's like to cover 11 presidents and talk to all of them and, and be in the White House and, and that type of thing. So it was me and it was Matt Smith from Channel 12 and Isabella from uh, the Waukesha Freeman were in there. And we just got to pepper him for nice. a good half hour. It was pretty cool. So now, he, where do you start? I mean, we were talking about it yesterday before you went out there. You're like, well, what do you? I'm like, I don't right. know all the questions. <laughs> Here's a yeah, list. Everything. He did uh, go. We, I mean, we got into the Nixon thing fairly quickly and into the Trump thing because don't forget the last year of the Trump presidency, he talked to Woodward for hours and hours about it. And that's when Woodward really realized that, like, okay, these two are unbelievably similar. Carl and I kind of thought, well, Nixon was unique and, uh, then along came Donald Trump to surprise us, and there are these similarities. So he would take phone calls randomly from Trump. like, And, and we kind of knew like that. Like not a setup interview no, or whatever. No. And they had some of those too, but he would just, they had an open dialogue. You can call me at any time, and he'd be ready for him when that phone rang. We would be at home that year, and the phone would ring, and we would think is it one of our two daughters is it a friend is it a robocall or is it donald trump and it would often be donald trump (laughs) (laughs) oh hello sir (laughs) oh mr president he's calling woodward yeah and that is actually that was always one of those um what the mo of the former president was that he would always just call and just vent to different reporters and just just off the cuff just go 
And it was different for Woodward because Woodward said usually what he would do, and he cited a great example here, about how he would send questions to presidents. So, like, he told us that he once sent 30 pages worth of questions to George W. Bush. So, like, 150 questions. Just sent them all. And his colleagues asked him, like, why are you doing that? Why would you say he's not going to read all that? Or why would you even do that? Why aren't you catching him in the moment? Because you're you're showing your hand. Yeah, and, typically, like no matter what the interview is, if you're interviewing someone who's not used to being interviewed that often, often they say, "Well, can you send me a list of questions?" And usually, and I handle that. Like, yeah, like, uh, no. I'll give you some things that I want to talk about. Correct. I don't want to spell out a question just so it's a more natural exchange, and I want to hear your actual answer. And here's what he had to say: the flow of news, the shouted question at the helicopter or at the press conference or something like that is it actually doesn't do justice or belittles what a president often does. And so all of a sudden somebody parachutes in and says, you know, I have 150 questions. And it's saying, I take you as seriously as you take yourself. Yeah, so it worked. Condi Rice, he sent all these questions to Condi Rice, and she said, okay, yeah, you can be, be at the Oval Office, be at the White House at 9 a.m. tomorrow. So he went there, and what he found was an amazing history. W would pull transcripts that were classified documents between he and Tony Blair, and he would declassify and share this information. He'd pull other documents so he could answer those questions with that actual historic things that had been documented. When are you going to get a better history? I mean, certainly... Someday, there's, you, n- you never get the whole story, no illusion about that, but that method brings you to the threshold of opening many more doors. So oftentimes people would think like, you know, you read, so you've read them, you've read the Woodward books. Yeah, I'm through two of the, uh, he wrote three on President Trump, I believe. I'm through two of the three. I got the middle one to go yet. I actually went backwards, yeah. you know, in the trilogy, if you will, because I wanted <laughs> one of the most recent stuff yeah, first. Sure. And now I'm finding time to go back in it. But uh, what I love about how he writes these books is he creates a narrative as if you're there. And some things are quotes, like that he knows were things that were said. And then some things are, I've created based on multiple sources, probably what this sounded like. And I stand by the facts yeah. of that. And some of those transcripts that he would pull not from the Trump stuff because Trump didn't look at the <laughs> Trump didn't look at the questions <laughs> and he said that he like now he just kind of tossed those aside. But for presidents previous, that I mean a lot of that was detailed recorded transcript stuff. And he also said though it's important though when you're talking to a president, you don't just keep looking at and this is you know me I, I I talk about this a lot. You don't just look at your notes. Okay, what's my next question? What's my next question? You have to listen to what they're telling you. You have to listen to the right hand and what the person being interviewed is saying so you can ask follow-up questions. You can't just come in with 10 questions. Right, and then just go down the line. You have to pay attention to the ebb and flow of the conversation. Okay, so now let's talk about the current campaign, right? You have Trump and you have Biden, likely your two nominees. Is Trump still calling him? No. Or no. Or he they, is not. They're, he they're said, done. No, and Trump was a little upset about all the tape release from earlier this yeah. year. So and no, the timing he, he's of not it. he's not on the list. But he said he would take the call, but he did tell us that no, Trump's not calling him at the moment. So he talked about the current race. 
He also talked about how the president now is 80 years old and what that looks like. I happen to be 80 also, and 80 is not 37 or 47 or 57 or 67, uh, and presidency's hard. Is 80 too old to be president? I mean, who is it? Is 80 too old to be a reporter? My wife asks that question. <laughs> <laughs> so he did bring yeah, up, though, he says it's not unprecedented for an incumbent to decide to pull out late or a leader to pull out late. And he referenced 1968. 1968 was a year similar to this coming year. War, violence, politics, and... Lyndon Johnson, who was sitting president, withdrew from running. Do you do you know when? March of 1968. So the equivalent would be this coming March, five months away. Not saying it's going to happen, but could could happen. His point is, it's not unprecedented. You're starting to see some Democrats say that out loud. I mean, David Axelrod, who was an advisor, of course, to To Obama, Obama, had said it at least openly opined, what if maybe the president, because as the polls continue to come out, you have virtually everyone in the GOP field in a head-to-head poll matchup with President Biden winning, and now even former President Trump is winning in some of those states where before it was like, well... If we stick with Joe here on the Democratic side, at least he can beat yeah, Trump. Yeah. And even some of the polls are suggesting that might not hold. And he, and he did poo-poo the polls a little bit. He's like, ah, it's so early in this and that. And you got to be careful Fair on enough. some of that. And he wasn't, that wasn't to justify an opinion or anything. He's just saying, he's like, well, yeah, I guess there are polls, but who knows? It's an eternity from now. So this guy has been in the Oval Office multiple times. He's covered 11 presidents. He's written a million books. And it was interesting. Uh, we asked him, you know, what about the presidency? You know, what, how has the presidency changed over the years? The power of the office and the presidency has increased substantially in that time. Each, each new president has new powers. And, um, yeah, so his point being that you know, when he first started covering in Nixon to now, it's amazing how much more they're able to do and what they can, I don't want to say get away with, but what they can accomplish or get away with grows substantially as each term moves forward. Right, tail sort of wagging the dog versus how the founders intended it, right. right? You know, these co-equal branches of government, but now we look to the presidency, both you know, both sides of the aisle of, all right, the president sets the agenda yeah. instead of Congress sending things up to the president to, okay, sign or not sign. The agenda for the nation is set right. in the White House. Last little nugget, he did, I did ask him. I'm like, who's the most exhausted president? And he didn't really have a he didn't have an answer, but he did tell a funny story about how like, well, Nixon after lunch used to take a nap, went into the office there, or found a spot, really? and took off his slacks, took off his coat and shirt, and had some cottage cheese and took a nap every day. And hey, you know, guys, I'm gonna knock off for a yeah, while. Yeah, Hold to all each, my calls to each their own. That's fascinating. Yeah, he um, couldn't have been a nicer guy, by the way. So thanks for his time. He was very generous to, to chat with us. 824, Wisconsin's Morning News. Ah, 
8.30 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Wisconsin's nine-day gun deer hunt opens tomorrow at sunrise. Told you, I'm not a hunter. Um, my, you know, my grandfather was a gun guy. He shot trap and target shooting and stuff with handguns and whatever. Mm-hmm, he didn't mm-hmm. hunt. You know, my dad didn't hunt, so pretty much that's oftentimes where you learn the tradition. My, sure. fa- my late father-in-law would always try to get me to go. And, you know, I eventually told him, I'm like, man, you, like, think about who I am and whether or not you want to be in the woods with me. Have you ever met me before? <laughs> right. I would talk the whole time or I get bored too fast or I get too cold. Whatever. And I complain and whine. I'm like, so you finally let it, let it go after a while. I'm like, you don't want me. I was amazed by what ESPN Milwaukee's Gabe Neitzel told us. So he was from Horican. He said that his family had property in Portage where they'd go hunting. And he said that, like, if you would have had the state football championship games, like, over the weekend here, yes, there'd be kids that didn't show up to the game because they'd be hunting. <laughs> right, your instead. kicker's out because he's hunting. Yeah, yeah. You know, he didn't amazing. mean players, but well, he, yeah, 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 the right. parents and all, all kinds of people. I think it was funny. Gone. Gabe said he was a lousy hunter. You have? Can you play some of that? Oh yeah, yeah. His bad hunting story. Here, <laughs> yes. There you go. Go up. I was a terrible hunter. Like just straight up bad. How are you a bad hunter? Taking naps. Like, I would always have a little radio, so I'm listening to the Badger oh, game. you're not supposed to, to do the that. Game. supposed to enjoy the, yeah, the solitude. Like be with right. one yeah. with nature. Yeah. No, that was not me. Like, I was I was awful. It was more of a bonding experience sure. um, okay, with fine. my dad and uncles and cousins. And we had some land. I grew up in Horicon. Um, the family land was in Portage. And, I mean, I, I, I got one deer one time. And that season, I shot at, I don't know, a handful of deer. Some guys go two weeks, they don't see one. Well, so you were firing on you were firing on multiple. So targets. I was a little groggy. I just woke up from a nap, and, <laughs> and about thirty yards away, I see the you know see a good sized looking pot. Well, there you well, go. Okay, so you know, slowly grab the gun, bring it up, click the safety off. Boom! The deer, I, like guys, this guy, this thing was thirty yards away. I swear to God. It didn't move. <laughs> like, it just, and like, I, I swear it looked at me. Like, huh? Fired again, and then it just kind of ran off. Like, fine, I'll placate you. I'll run away. Like, I, <laughs> you were so far from it, it didn't move? Yeah. Like, you would, think, shot, you, would, you would think, like, just the sound yes. alone would just, like, scare it to run away. No, the deer somehow knew that nope. I was not the one that was going to be, you know, like, ah, uh, it was so bad. And I, I, I shot at so many deer and I missed. I finally did get one, but I had cousins telling me, yeah, we're going to get you one of those Rambo, like, shoulder straps, yes. which just loads you up with ammo next next year. So needless to say, Gabe's going to the football championships <laughs> at Madison yeah, yeah. today. Yep. He is not going to deer camp. He's doing the Franklin Marquette game tonight. 8.32 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Twenty minutes before nine o'clock, guys stuck at a porta potty on a golf course, arrested by Glendale police. That's how the story ends. <laughs> okay, TMJ Four News got a hold of the body camera video. It's pretty amazing. As is the heroic and movie-worthy act of a couple of golfers at Lincoln Park. Do not forget about them. They play prominently okay. in this story. So this was a police chase through Glendale. Actually, ended. They were pursuing a stolen vehicle. Ended in a crash right near the freeway. Some people were hurt. I mean, this vehicle collided with a couple of other cars. The video is pretty astonishing. Yeah, Yeah. terrible crash. And so it was a very dangerous chase. Four suspects then bail out of the the vehicle. One of them arrested right away. And then three take off on foot across the freeway into Lincoln Park. And if you know that stretch on the North Shore, you're just north of like Hampton Avenue. Mm -hmm. And the whole Mm -hmm. thing's under construction now. 
But they had to run across the freeway, and if you run across the freeway there, headed west, you're right in Lincoln Park, the golf course there. And it was one of these nice days. I think it was Wednesday, and people were out there golfing and doing their thing. And so cops go in pursuit. A couple of officers actually drove vehicles onto the golf course. They're driving Oh, no. Grounds keeper pulling his hair out. (laughs) Not on the greens. Not on the greens. One cop actually got in a golf cart. And starts right. You can hear whoever was working at the golf course, like, "Yeah, just go right down one." Like, hold <laughs> from a movie because yes. they had seen one of these suspects who was on foot run onto the golf course. Okay. So they finally chase the guy down. He is trapped in a porta potty. Yeah, you need to get the out. So you can hear him in there. Let me out. Yeah. So how is he trapped in the porta potty? TMJ Four News got a hold of the body camera video from the officers who were there what had happened was the porta potty is lying on its side door down so right the only way out really unless you like kick the roof off right is through the door but the door yep. is now yep. on the ground now this guy's in there going let me out presumably with contents on oh, him oh no glendale pd rolls the potty over then listen to this Come out! Crawl out, dude! Don't do anything stupid! I got gook on me, bro! Just covered it. It's covered it. You had to put him in a squad! Yes. (laughs) Right? How did you figure out whose squad was going to take him back? (laughs) Jerry, he's all yours. (laughs) You look for the rookie or whoever's got least seniority. He's going in your car. He's not going in my car! (laughs) Why do I have to take him? So... How did he come to be in the porta potty, tipped on its side? Journal Sentinel reports. Remember, I told you about the two people up top. Yeah. Movie worthy event. Journal Sentinel reports. A couple of golfers were there playing Lincoln Park, saw police chasing this guy. They said they had heard the crash, see a guy running from the cops, and jumps into the porta potty. So they tipped it over and trapped him inside. Wow. Everyday heroes right there. I, I tell you, here's what they told the Journal Sentinel. We're looking at each other like, are you serious? That's where he's going to hide? Said Ilsa Boland, realtor in the area who was playing golf that day. She's right. playing with Adam Westermeyer, who was golfing along with her. Said they tipped the thing over. They trapped him inside until police could arrive. And then Westermeyer adds, good luck, man. <laughs> <laughs> he adds a tagline, nice a catchphrase. Yes. See you at the party, Richter. <laughs> Go ahead. Make my day. Hasta la vista, baby. Good luck, man. I love it. Westermeyer. Everyday hero. Eight forty-eight, Wisconsin's morning news. Greg Pancake Hill produces this year' program. Got his nickname because he used to work at the Pancake House. Every week we have great ideas for the show. Some of them make it in, some of them not so much. So we assign Greg to whip up a little something with the leftovers. Here on this Friday morning is the Pancake Breakfast Special. What about breakfast? We've already had it. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? Hello, 
Things you don't want to hear from your doctor, your mechanic, or your NFL sideline reporter. I would make up the report sometimes. Y- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hang on. Meet former Prime Video and Fox Sports sideline analyst Carissa Thompson, who admitted on a podcast, pardon my take, that she has fabricated sideline reports that were from discussions she supposedly had with head coaches either before or after head t- halftime. Now, I'm one to provide full context, so here's her full quote. I haven't been fired for saying it, but I'll say it again. I would make up the report sometimes because, A, the coach wouldn't come out at halftime or it was too late, and I was like, I didn't want to screw up the report, so I was like, I'm just going to make this up because, first of all, no coach is going to get mad if I say, hey, we need to stop uh, hurting ourselves. We needed to be better on third down. We yep. need to stop turning the ball Pressure over. The quarterback. We need, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and do a better job of getting off the field. Like they're not going to correct me on that. Right. So I'm like, it's fine. I'll it, just make up the report. All right. So you've seen obviously Next. a football broadcast. Two teams part for their respective locker rooms. Coaches most of the time reluctantly answering questions from broadcasters on the sideline. Asking usual, assessing the first half, or asking about adjustments looking to be made in the second half. And typically, you'll get AI football coach of a response. Grab, grab, grab. Nobody tackling. Exactly right. (laughs) Yes, right? (laughs) AI would be perfect in this scenario. Yes. But lying on national TV, that's Brian Williams at a helicopter level of lying. (laughs) That's George Santos D1 volleyball double knee replacement lying. But as a result of this audio, it's causing kind of an uproar in the broadcast community. Sideline reporters from all networks absolutely dragging Carissa through the coals. However, not everyone is super upset about it in that, yeah, you really only do get AI football coach in those reports. They're worthless. So is this going to be? be? They don't have to be. You're right. But they are mostly. If is this going to be a move that is going to change sideline reporting or at least the interviews going in and out? I hope so. I have zero value in that because, you know, Coach is only talking because he has to. He's contractually obligated to. They don't say anything. They say the same crap every time. You see, I don't, I'm not looking Show for the... Show me another commercial. I'll watch a funny commercial over that. I'm not looking for the sideline reporter to talk to the coach. I'm looking for the sideline reporter to say, hey, I just noticed on the sideline here that, you know, this guy's grabbing his ankle. Or yeah, this a, guy's in the tent. There's a heated conversation between two coaches right now. And cool. then maybe even, like telling the camera guys so the camera person at least gets on that like that's what they should be doing yeah I, I, I mean I, I'm totally with you in, in that like it's just again more AI football coach we've got to be better at taking care of the football like how many times <laughs> yeah. so yeah lying on TV not great but was it the worst lie to tell who knows eventually maybe you'll see a good analyst ask a ah, question yeah Or maybe we'll just stick with the Grab, 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 nobody tackling WTMJ forecast sponsored by Dave Drake Camp Heating Where your comfort is their family's tradition You have a cool off now, high of 48 degrees today We will see increasing sunshine Clear and cold tonight, low temps down to the freezing mark, and the weekend looks pretty good. Sunny and breezy, high of 53 on Saturday, more sunshine on Sunday with a high of 50, right now at 44 degrees in Milwaukee. We cut out the middleman, Joseph Pecky and Bill McCaution are here, and no scafidi. You guys are in charge. A special edition of the Political Power Hour. This morning on a very special WTMJ Now Political Power Hour. Power Hours. Hours. Hours, I think is the plural of Powers. It's like attorneys general. (laughs) Okay, I got it, I got it. What do you guys want to talk about? 
you know, we're we're gonna have a good time. We got the we're gonna stick traditional, do the political power hour. Okay. Special edition of instead of ask Steve anything, it'll be ask Bill and Joe anything. Excellent. Get your questions so ready. Light up that text line. What what are your deep burning questions about Mr. McCashin and I? We're going to go uh, Bob Woodward on you, and then we'll submit 150 questions in <laughs> yeah, a row, right? Yes. That would certainly that. help fill the three hours. Did you hear that? Yeah. Eric got a chance to meet him yesterday and ask him all these questions. So it was interesting, though. He did say he brought up 1968 because, obviously, there's always talk about whether or not uh, both the top candidates in Trump and Biden will, will be the nominees. And he said, hey, it's not unprecedented for a candidate to drop late, and he cited 1968. Where was the Democrat convention in 1968? Is that Chicago? Chicago, right? Where is it next year? Chicago. All, all, all back to the future. Now, back to go. the future. Here we go. <laughs> what Mr. Woodward left out, or may have uh, just neglected to mention, is that the primary calendar was not the same in 1968 Very as it good. is now. There are many, many more contests that allot delegates before March than there were in 1968. This is true. So, technicality. <laughs> Who am I to well, quibble with Bob Woodward? But what, what, so what happens if the nominee by vote, right, accord, with the accordance of yeah. all the states, whether caucus or, or primary, if that nominee by vote then just says, okay, I'm out, like, then do they have to nominate? Does it go to the floor? All the Roberts rules of order you can <laughs> stomach yes. in, uh, in prime time yeah, over a right, few right. nights in July. Can't what, wait. When so you guys have superdelegates, we don't have that. Yeah. All right. Well, you they got three hours to hash it out. Thing. Yeah, we'll, oh, we'll get it solved. We'll get Zepecki, it solved. Zapecki, up next on WTMJ 